for, for being here. Um, in just a moment, we're going to get into the, the panel discussion, but I, I want to do a couple of things just real quick. Um, first is, my name is Neil Reynolds. I'm the Pathways Director for Kairos Church Planting and also the lead minister at the University Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And so just want you to know that's who I am. I want to tell you about two things. Tomorrow and on Thursday at 10 a.m., we're doing something called Coffee with Kairos just over here at Starbucks. We'll buy people coffee, sit and visit. If you're interested in church planting, uh, being a church planter, interested in your church, potentially um, planting churches or supporting church planters, we'd love to talk with you about that. It'll be real casual. And so that's 10 a.m. tomorrow and on Thursday. But then also everybody... A postcard. Did you pass these out? Bruce passed these out if you don't have one yet. Um, something called National Church Planting Sunday. So I think you got them. Okay. Awesome. Okay. There we go. We're good. So everybody's got a postcard now. Um, this is a postcard for something called National Church Planting Sunday, which is being co-sponsored with Kairos and then also University Church. And it's just an opportunity to call our fellowship of the Churches of Christ to plant new churches. And I'll tell you a couple of the reasons why I wanted University to be a co-sponsor um, of this event. Uh, the first one is a, a guy named Namito Yakota. Uh, Namito is a first-generation American. His parents are both uh, uh, Japanese. And when he came to the University of Alabama, he was an atheist, um, an adamant atheist. Got connected with our campus ministry somehow, uh, REACH campus ministry, and through that started becoming more open to faith. And in the spring semester of 2020, people in our gotten to know it. And specifically, by that point, we knew that he was on the verge of putting his faith in Jesus Christ. And we were praying that before spring break of 2020, that he would put his trust in Jesus and be baptized. And we didn't really realize how significant that deadline was, but on the last Sunday that our church met uh, before not meeting together for several months, March 8th, 2020, Namito was baptized into Jesus Christ. Um, another reason is because of uh, Kinsey. Kinsey's from Minnesota. She's from the place where the Spam Museum is, of all things. And she went to Belmont first, and then she ended up transferring to the University of Alabama. And we got connected with her in January of this year, and she was exploring faith. Interestingly enough, she's not a, a Christian yet, and she was inviting some girls on her hall um, to church. And she was having a phone call with an earshot of our campus minister um, one night, and she was inviting someone to church. Her friend responds, I don't know, with Christians, it seems like it's kind of an all or nothing thing. And so I'm not sure if I want to be a part of that. And Kinsey goes, yeah, you pretty much understand it. It's kind of an all or nothing thing. It wasn't long after that that uh, Kinsey put her trust in Jesus Christ. She was baptized just a couple of 
weeks ago, maybe six weeks ago, and then two Sundays ago, she was leading worship on a Sunday morning in our church. So the university church was started in the mid-1950s by a guy named Kenneth Reed, reaching college students at the University of Alabama with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's what our church has been doing for nearly 70 years. Um, So that's why we want to be partners in National Church Planning Sunday to reach the Namitos in our country, to reach the Kinseys in our country. And if there's anything that I can do personally to encourage other leaders or encourage churches to reach the Namitos and the Kinseys out there, I want to do what I can. And I'm just totally convinced that the best way and the way to reach more Namitos and more Kinseys than any other way is to establish new churches for new people in new places. And so that's why University Church is a partner in National Church Planning Sunday. You can participate in multiple ways. One could be just praying. If you just want to pray for a church planter, you could just do that on that day. Just have a prayer. It can be 60 seconds and say a prayer for a church planter. You'll get to meet some here in just a minute. You could pray for new churches to be started. You could preach or teach on the need to reach people with the gospel, with the good news of Jesus Christ. And then we're also asking uh, churches within our network and anyone who's willing to give financially to Kairos to support starting new churches. You can do as little or as much as you feel led to do, but I wanted you to know about that and um, just ask if you're willing to participate a little bit or maybe even a lot. Um, thank you guys for being here. I know it's late, maybe been a travel day for a lot of you. I'm gonna turn it over to Ron Clark. He's our executive director of Kairos, and then he'll introduce the panel to you. Thank you, Neil. Thank you everyone for being here. Uh, I am Ron Clark, and uh, Lori and I were the third church plant, uh, Agape Church of Christ with Kairos. And so coming off of that, uh, we were watching the Jesus Revolution movie the other day, and Lori, we kind of got teary-eyed. It reminds us of Agape. You know, we kind of miss miss that, uh, a lot of that. So um, we're really excited when Mike Cope said, hey, can you, can you take an evening session to do a panel or something with church planners? We were like, yeah, that'll be great. And so we thought of four that would really be uh, perfect to be up here. So I want to have the four uh, that are going to be on this panel come up. And here's what we're going to do now. Come up. Thank you. <laughs> and here's what, sorry. Sorry. Uh, this younger generation. <laughs> And what, what we're going to do, we're going to take probably, you know, 30 to 45 minutes. I've got three questions for them. They've spent time in prayer thinking about it. You might have some questions. We've, we've got till 10 o'clock at night. We don't have to go that late, but we do have till 10 o'clock at night. So you may be thinking of some questions. I want to encourage you to make it a one or two sentence question. No preaching. If you have a question, we want you to be thinking of it. We're going to give you the opportunity to talk to them. But before they do, each does the questions, I want to have them uh, each begin by introducing you know, who they are, their, you know, their, their, their wife, and to share a little bit about um, what they're doing, where they're going, uh, where they are and what they're going to, what, what the name, what, what kind of ministry they're planning to do. So we'll start with Addison. All right, oh, that's loud. Uh, my name is Addison Weaver. Um, my wife Vicky is here in the audience. We have uh, two little girls, uh, eight and six, and um, I've been. Uh, we live in North Texas in the Dallas Fort Worth metroplex on the Fort Worth side uh, in that area, um, and we've been there for a little about ten years. Uh, been in full time ministry for. 
um, about 15 years, and we are the babies on the panel, if you will. We just started this journey uh, last fall uh, is when we left uh, from our uh, previous church we had been working with. Um, and so we're excited to be on this journey, and so we're still kind of the, the younglings. Um, but, um, yeah, that's a, sort of a brief introduction. My name is Brendan, um, and me and my wife, Caitlin, are um, planting a church in Tucson, Arizona, um, in partnership with a new campus ministry that um, is at the University of Arizona. And so I have about two months of seniority on Addison. So we've been there nine months now um, and, and are just in the beginning phases of uh, team building and church planting. All right, I think we're on. Um, my name's Carlos Sasasiga. I'm in uh, downtown San Diego. My wife and I and our three kids moved from the East Coast to the West Coast in 2017, and then we launched um, in 2019, early 2019, we launched Luminous City Church. Um, and then um, through the pandemic, uh, realized along with some other pastors in the city that, um, you know, it, it's better, ministry's better together. Uh, and so we relaunched uh, March 12th of this year, uh, completely rebranded and, and relaunched the church. Uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's me. Um, my name is Daniel Jarko, and me and my wife, Holly, started the Sojourn Campus Ministry at the University of Washington in Seattle. Go dogs. Um, and me and Carlos actually started at the same time. Yeah, we did. That was yeah. a lot of fun. It was so much fun. <laughs> I mean, Just it really broken. was. It was. <laughs> no, no, it's a lot of fun. Yes, uh, so much fun. Do it. Um, so yeah, we started Sojourn Campus Ministry, um, and so we're finishing up our sixth year at the University of Washington. Thank you for introducing yourself. So I'm going to start with you, Brendan. Would you tell us, and then all of you on the panel, would you tell us why would you step out on faith to plant a, a church or a campus ministry? I gotta go first, huh? Um, well, I, I think for, for us, um, <clears throat> me and my wife were just in a discerning phase for what's next. I, I was in full-time ministry for 10 years in, in youth ministry out here in Los Angeles. Um, and had several pathways that were an option, right? Um, but, but we couldn't quite walk away from the unique context of planting um, a new church on, on a state campus context. Um, and so that, first off, was uh, we, we felt called. Um, and that was it, right? I mean, when you're called, you're called. So <laughs> you, you can't really do anything else. So, so that's the first foundational reason why we, we felt like stepping out of established church ministry um, into church planting context was because we were called. Um, but, but the second big piece in that was we're, we're all familiar with the, the current cultural trends of uh, millennials and Gen Z's relationship with church in the States. And um, I'm in the heart of the millennial generation. And that, that's my experience. That's my life. Those are my people. Um, that's my first language. That's my native tongue, um, is the, the angst with the established church um, and the, the challenges that um, millennials and Gen Zs tend to have with, with God and, and faith and morality. And, um, and so part of this is a, a visceral kind of deep 
pull for me to to minister to myself um, on, on state campus where students are isolated and vulnerable and wrestling with big questions of identity um, and community and purpose um, and and not sure where to find those answers um, I felt pulled to to interject the gospel into that context because I, I I believe the gospel would thrive in that kind of context when, when people are hungry and desperate um, and and I see myself in a lot of them right so so that's that was a, the other big pull for me to step out of established church and into um, planting specifically because of this context um, with, with that next generation. So, What was the question again? <laughs> why, why would you do this? Why would you plant a church campus ministry? I, th- I like his word, called. Because it's either insanity or ignorance if you're not. Um, yeah, I think I think you just have to have a like a just a, a burning. If you don't have a burning thing inside you to go plant a church or start a campus ministry, just go do something else. Because if you don't, uh, I mean, it's it's just gonna it's just gonna chew you up and spit you out. Y'all are like, oh gosh, it just got really intense. Um, no, but it's it's yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a calling. You, like you just you know, uh, I think kind of like you, Brandon. I uh, was in youth ministry for quite a while, and and then uh, I I knew I knew I was supposed to be planting churches. Um, yeah, well into my my ministry, I didn't grow up in church, and so I don't have a like a ministers or pastors pedigree uh you know I, I gave my life to christ when i was late in my teen years and so like ministry was not on my radar um and so but but i got into youth ministry and a couple years in i knew i was i was supposed to be somewhere else um starting something from scratch to reach uh, the next generation um i just didn't know what that looked like and um I was scared as all get out as to how that would look like and how I could feed my family doing that. Um, and then God led me from one place to another to reassure me and to also burn some things inside my heart uh, that needed to be to be burned uh, so that I can uh, so I can move forward, right? And 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 do what I've been called to do. And so. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah, I love people, I love people, I love Jesus, uh, Jesus over everything, you know, and so, like, that's, that's just it. Yeah, so, so good, I, uh, I completely agree with both of you guys, like, you know, there's some base level where it's just the, the love of Christ compels us, Right? That's, that's why we go, is because we're compelled by the love of Christ, because those who have been forgiven a lot will love a lot. You know, but then there's, there's also, like, why this specifically, which, you know, like you said, there's got to be something a little bit wrong with you, you know, mm-hmm. where, like, you kind of have to have that, that overwhelming desire to do what God wants you to do and have people to experience that same love that you've experienced or you just wouldn't do it, 
You know, there would be no reason to. There's a lot, there's a lot easier things to go out and do, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what really drew me into it is just, just answering that call, experiencing that love of Christ myself, and then going on that journey. You know, I know uh, Bruce used to say this a lot, but he would say, you know, church planting is for uh, is spiritual formation for those who can't get it otherwise. And I think that's what you were talking about. Of like, you know, it's like this this journey that God has invited Holly and I on, all of you guys on, all of uh, you know, many of you in the crowd. Where like, uh, just this spiritual journey that is so much beyond just like that thing, but it's mm. something that's going on in myself and God but then is overflowing into the people around us. Um, and that's a great joy, even when it's really difficult. Let me, I'm just going to add something to that too, because, you know, I don't want to over-spiritualize church planning, um, because sometimes, at least for me, I don't want to speak for you guys. I know for me at the beginning of church planning, a lot of the, the motivation was was just, you know, yes, serving God and loving people and making um, making Jesus famous right but but sometimes like you you're like oh i just want to go do this thing because it's not that thing and i want to go do this thing because it could be my own thing um and then you learn really quick that uh you're not you're not building your kingdom you've been called to build god's kingdom um you know and so like yeah there's also there could be right like a like a not like a fleshly kind of part of wanting to start a church and wanting to do a campus ministry um I, I don't know if I digressed a little bit on that question, but yeah. So why um, why would we step out? Um, I, w- I Vicky and I were talking about this earlier today, and her response when she heard the question was like, "Well, why not?" Like um, for her, and as we were talking, it was as I was reflecting even more. It was just why not step into what we recognized as a need and not only that but experiencing the call and also having that affirmed by others it became evident that well why wouldn't we step into this and like you can answer that question there's plenty of things like yeah i mean there's insanity there's like there's not a lot of security there's there's a lot of questions and doubts and things that come into it but really at the core of it is the why we stepped into it is after spending years in ministry and um, in a role that, quite frankly, we felt good at, that um, building relationships with with people we love and serving in contexts that are familiar. Uh, I grew up in church and um, most of my life, and um, I'm, I know the language uh, of how to fit in and make it work, and yet recognizing a very clear burden after being in the same area for 10 years of, but there's other communities here that we see the context within we're in. And the Metroplex is very similar to areas like Nashville and the Bible Belt where a lot of people are like, oh, there's churches on every corner. Is there really a need for another church? Um, But what we began to see and we began to recognize is churches that were growing were growing because other people were leaving other churches and coming and then other churches were dying and that the churches that were growing became well it was this church decided to start another campus but it was really to serve their members and make it easier for them because they were traveling an hour in to come to this campus and so they're building it was coming out of a context of serving the needs and like what we were missing is like we see specific communities right here in our own backyard that 
don't have faith communities, and those faith communities that have been present are losing resources and needs. And so then we began asking questions and saying, well, well how can we serve in that? And it became evident, well, why can't we? Why shouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? Um, and so we felt that call, and we jumped full in. And sometimes it's we've all along the journey, we've asked why, and we've had other people, especially because that's part of our early journey is we're still very short on this as we're talking with people uh, because we still live nearby in the community that we're at. We're working, we're, um, we're out, where we had been working is out in the sub- suburbs and we're moving uh, closer to inside the city loop uh, in some of the communities that we are working with and specifically an area called Haltom City. Um, and we've had people within our context that we've been friends with for years um, asking why uh, because in a lot of it is education is a lot of the journey that we're on and kind of sharing this heartbeat of why we believe or why we're experiencing this call for new churches and new places and it's not out of competition but it's out of a desire to not just see people go to one from one church to another but to see new people come to know Jesus um, and the only reason and part of the only reason that they don't have is they don't have places in their own community of where they can have those spaces to um, meet him and so we're going there hey i'm gonna throw a curveball at you because i can um uh, you you all mentioned a common word call so i'm thinking what would if so millennial gen x gen z people who don't understand a lot of religious language how would you interpret a calling your calling for them what would be a phrase you might use to communicate with them what it means for you to be called to I mean, I'll jump in first. The the <laughs> Rick Ashley, who's a preacher nearby in our area, and many people know may know well. Um, he always phrases, and when he talks about like when, so the Holy Spirit said to me, and, he, and then he'll explain. And when I say that, what I mean by that is the Holy Spirit said to me. Um, <laughs> and uh, I mean that's really some of the experience that I've been like. It's been as we engage in prayer together, together as we study together, and as we enter seasons of discernment, um, there became this these moments of just like holy discontent of where we knew what was what we recognized, and we felt this nudge or urge that we couldn't explain, and we couldn't ignore it any longer. And there was this not just push, but this pull towards. Um, and the more we engaged, uh, the more we engaged in spiritual disciplines and practices, we felt we continued to see that being affirmed and confirmed by others, and through um, we, a- acknowledging that call and confirming that call. So. Yeah, I think I think you know you said how how do I kind of frame it, and uh, the way the way I used to frame it, uh, I used to say you know well I'm, I, I was made to do this, right? Uh, man, I'm just made to do this. Uh, you know that's how I would say the word calls mean or a calling, right? I, I was made to do this. Um, and and for a long time, the word calling uh, was, uh, you know, was an achievement, a goal, uh, something to grow, something to launch, um, you know, up and to the right. And if it's up and to the right, it's it's successful and it's and it's good. Um, at least that's that's what the Western church has, has always measured success by, right? Up and to the right. Um, but I think we're living in a new world, and the metrics are different, and we have to start seeing um, metrics differently, because people aren't numbers anyway. All right, uh, people aren't uh, a success graph or 
or anything like that. Um, but but calling more now to me is is not what I do, but who I'm becoming. Um, because if I measure calling by who I'm becoming, um, I could really lean into that anywhere in the world, uh, surrounded by different people in different places. Um, and I think calling calling changes from season to season. A lot of, a lot of times we say, well, my my calling is you know is this and it's the rest of my life. Well, that that that's that may not be the case, especially when you're focused on who you're becoming and not what you're doing. Uh, just to add, right? Um, I, I think for me, um, it was this sort of holy um, discontent. I, I guess is a little too strong. I, I, there was this angst in me. Um, not not uh, discontent with established churches because I I grew up in established churches. I, I um, in in more ways than I can probably put my finger on. I am a product of the ch the churches of Christ in the states. Um, and so th there was this angst though of, but there are people that can't belong here, um, and that doesn't mean this is a bad space, but it does mean that there there needs to be something else. Um, and, and I described, uh, when I knew that um, it was the right move for my family and for me, was it, it, it was an itch that I couldn't get rid of. Um, it was persistent. Um, and, it, and it was for a season, right? Um, I don't think I'm going to be a cereal planter. Um, I think I've That's been... That's scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you scare me, dude. No. <laughs> Um, I, 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 I think it was a specific itch and nudge that I was uniquely gifted to speak to this specific cultural timepiece, right, of, of this generational shift. Um, and, and so that's my calling for now, right, for, for this season. Um, and, and I feel confident in that because of this, this angst that would only grow when I would pray about it and try and get rid of it and read scripture and be like, ah, um, and then also it, it was just persistent of it, God wouldn't, wouldn't let it subside. Right. Um, so, and I can confirm some of that cause we did discovery lab together. I remember y'all first arriving and you talking about like, ah, we're just coming to kind of get it out of the way. And like, here you are <laughs> a year later, we got pulled in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. Like, Maybe this is bad form, like, uh, you know, describing one, like, unknown Bible metaphor with another unknown Bible metaphor, but, like, I feel like what you guys are describing is, like, that fire in your bones that you just can't, you can't quite get past something that just, just bothers you until you have to do that thing. Um, and then I think on, a, on another level, just kind of... Um, I think there there can be like that idea of like calling of like, oh, you just knew that was the exact thing that you should do. And I, I do think that there was not that for us and there's not that for a lot of dis different decisions in life even that are related to that sense of like, you know, something that you feel so strongly about where there's always that leap of faith towards doing something where you just don't quite know if that's really what God has called you to do. Um, so I think because of that, usually I don't typically use that 
language, like kind of like what you were describing. It's like my prim primary calling is to become like God and to make him known. But then like as far as I can discern what that would look like in the future, then that's great, <laughs> you know. And it's kind of one of those situations where it's like, like in Acts where it's like, uh, you know, it seemed good to uh, us and the Holy Spirit, so we uh, went with that, you know, um, and we're going we're gonna to commit to it. We're going to stick it out. Thank you. That's, that's, thank you for sharing that um, and you handled that well. Uh, uh, second question, we'll start with Carlos. Is what, everybody here says, okay, they're planting, they're preparing. Uh, I know you could have a long list of what you've done to prepare, but can you give us a couple things that you really feel have helped to prepare you for this this journey, uh, whether you've planted or you're preparing that. What are a couple things uh, that we want to hear from you that have helped you? Um, I think at the beginning, um, I think at the beginning it was it was a lot of obviously it was a lot of prayer. You know, just 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 seeking God's face right? Like, God, is this, is this something you want me to do? Or is it, is it just, you know, I ate some bad pizza last night and like, I feel the fire in my bones. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so is, is God, is this you? Um, and, and so like a, my wife and I spent a lot of time in prayer and fasting. Um, so that, that was, that was key. I think, I think second was, was to receive good counsel from friends. And so I tell the story, I, um, you know, that, that, that itch, the fire in the bones, you guys have all kinds of terms for it. Um, uh, I'll call it the Holy Spirit. How about that? Uh, <laughs> and, and so I sensed, I sensed the Holy Spirit really um, leading me to, okay, Carlos, you, you need to go ahead and, and start planting churches. And never, never planted a church in my life. Um, at that point, you know, I've been in ministry uh, 14 years or so, I guess, around that time. And I remember, um, I remember Neil uh, had talked about church planning in the past and planning campus ministries and things of that nature. Neil and I kind of, kind of dealt in the same area uh, of ministry geographically, and so we knew each other. and And I remember I was just like, I, I, who, "Who do I call?" And um, and and literally, the Lord put it in my head, call Neil. Uh, and so I called Neil and. And I said, "Hey, man! Like God just doesn't want to leave me alone on this." And and I know I'm telling you the story, but but it's it just just hang there with me. It'll, it'll make sense. Surround yourself by people that will give you good direction. That's and and I called Neil and I said, "Neil, I like I have to plant a church, man. I have to like I have to do this because if not, like I'm just I'm just I'm, I'm gonna be ruined, you know." And and so what do I do? I've heard you talk about this before, and. He said, man, you need to call Kairos and you need to talk to Scott Lambert. Um, and he put me in connection with Scott and we were talking, Scott and I were talking uh, the next day or something like that. And, um, and then got connected with Kairos and then ended up somewhere in the mountains of L.A. somewhere in some <laughs> bungalow somewhere doing Discovery Lab. Actually, it wasn't a bungalow. It was a pretty nice place, actually. Where? Yeah, wherever that is. I'm from I'm from San Diego, brother. Okay, <laughs> go Padres. Um, and, and so and so you know and so I end up at Discovery Lab and and then um, the rest is history. So that's what I'm like. Some of the things I did is is pray uh, and then and then surround yourself with 
with some good counsel, right? Some good friends that are going to point you in the right way. Um, yeah, is that, I don't. Yeah, I would say one of the biggest things for me just in terms of on a practical level was I did a uh, two and a half year apprenticeship for campus ministry specifically. And that that was just a really important experience for me where I could uh, have the ability to fail <laughs> and like fail in a safe environment um, and also be in an environment where um, I was affirmed and my gifts were affirmed and like um, just someone saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, which I think I had had moments uh uh, I had had moments like that in life, but they were like on different internships. Like I interned with uh, Ron and Lori one summer. I felt some of that. Like, but then I wasn't getting that a lot through like some of these like traditional things, like through school, like you know, through like being a Bible major and stuff like that. Like that was helpful. But what I really needed was someone to like take me. Uh, beside them and say like this is how we follow Christ together like and this is what I see in you and this is what um, you can give to God's kingdom and that was um, just such a powerful thing for me in the direction that I ended up going um, the other thing I really liked yours because I, I wasn't uh, even thinking on that kind of level which is kind of sad but like on, on just a spiritual level like one of the things that really prepared me well was um, I memorized a lot of scripture like right before we left. I totally and, did not do that. <laughs> but well, I'm, you, I'm glad you did. Well, you fasted more than I did, so it I, evened out. I can't tell, but that's all right. <laughs> uh, so I, I think that was one of those things that like, you know, just for some reason stuck out that it was like, this is some, some kind of discipline that God was kind of leading me into for that time period. And I think that really like, so one of, one of the things was like memorizing Colossians and just so many of those things just began to like transform my mind as, and how I saw the people around me as I was having all of these new experiences. And I think that's just hard to get without doing that like spiritual work of memorization, prayer, fasting, like those things that, you know, go beyond just like reading the Bible on your phone or whatever, those things that really get you ready to see where God is working. So, yeah. Yeah, and kind of going on the same lines, the, for me, the thing that has prepared me most when reflecting is, is relationships. Um, Throughout ministry, it has been ingrained in me and has become a huge part of my conversations with others in ministry, whether it be with youth, whether it be with adults, whether it across any spectrum, um, is this idea that the relationship is always more important than the point being argued, um, that relationships are always more important than being right uh, and getting your point across. And that has served well in this journey um, because the whole idea of church planning was completely foreign to me. I mean, like growing up in more, more traditional churches of Christ when I was younger, like there's a lot of focus on foreign missions. There's not as much weight given to church planting. And so it was, it's all new to me, but there's a plethora of resources out there that I can go and learn how to plant a church. I can 
take these courses, I can read these books, I can do these seminars, and there's a lot of right ways to do it. Um, but having been ingrained with relationships being the primary focus, that has been huge, and especially the start of this journey, because the truth of the matter is there is no right way to plant a church. <laughs> there's a lot of different ways, and right when you think you have the right way, um, there's going to be a curveball thrown that's going to throw it. I mean, it's, you're learning on the go. But the thing that's consistent is the relationships that um, maintain not only the history that's got you here, but also the ongoing relationship, um, the ongoing uh, discipleship cohorts I get to be a part of, the ongoing coaching that I get to consist with, the ongoing relationships with people who have been journeying this uh, um, for so many years and, and bouncing ideas, but also getting encouragement um, along the way. Those are the things that have prepared is that intentional um, drive toward relationship um, and being relational in the way that uh, we approach this journey. Um, and there's been plenty of times where I've come to coaching sessions and feeling like, man, what the heck am I doing? Like, what have I done with my life? Like, I had a pretty good sweet gig just a few months ago, only to then have that session and being reminded of like, no, like you're on this journey and having that like uh, confirmation of the steps that you have been taking, the experiences that you've been having, those are normal. Like that's not unique to you, that the people have experienced this before, you're experiencing it now, and now you're being um, encouraged on this journey. And that's because of intentionally having um, people around you and in place around you um, that are always keeping the focus on people and not on being right. Yeah, that's good. Um, for, for me, it's, it's almost echoing, right? It's the spiritual practices. Um, that's, that's been the, the main thing that is, and, and specifically, um, the contemplative slowing down, stilling, being quiet practices, breath prayer, um, grounding who I am in God's perspective and not my perspective. That has been the single most, um, crucial peace to me being able to um, still be alive nine months into this, and I'm only nine months into it. Um, I was not prepared for the amount of vulnerability that church planting puts you in. Um, there is an adversary that does not like what we're trying to do. Um, I have... I have never been actively tried to be swallowed so much since I've started planting. Um, that may not have made sense. Um, Total sense. <laughs> I just, um, the, the contemplative practices have allowed me to survive the things that have been thrown at us over the last nine months. Um, and I can't overstate that. Um, and, and that has been very eye-opening and... Um, such a blessing to, to lean on God in that way, right? Um, to know every day, like, I am not going to make it through this week um, <laughs> if, if God doesn't show up. Um, that's a, that's a, that was new territory for me. Um, and then the other piece that I think has prepared me to this specific call of planting is just my, my experience um, with my peers and in youth ministry. I, I, in many ways, I've been at the front lines of hearing the frustrations, the angst that so many churches are now trying to wrestle with, with their kids. Um, and, and I am well versed in them. Um, 
and it, it comes naturally. And, and I, I have a, an authenticity in those conversations with these students that um, I cannot take credit for. It was, it just happened, it was gifted um, because that was the water I was swimming in. Um, and, and so that has prepared me for this specific call um, of planting on a state campus, trying to reach, quite honestly, the kids that I had in my youth ministry who are now in college. Uh, it, it's those same age kids, right? Um, so th those would be the two benchmarks. Thank you. All right, we're gonna, last question. Uh, you know, can you briefly give give us an experience of how you see God, the Holy Spirit, working? Uh, we'll start with Daniel, and and then when we finish, we'll have time for questions for that. So Daniel. Sure. Um, the one of the biggest things that that I'm proud of that God has done in our ministry is just that, like when I think about the church and acts, like the thing that showed the people around them that Jesus had risen and that the spirit had fallen on this people were that it was all kinds of different people from all kinds of different backgrounds on equal footing. And they were together in a way that they weren't beforehand. And I think that that was one of the things that stuck out so much in moving to Seattle, where like, I was just, you know, a white guy from Arkansas, like, just going to Seattle, where like, there's a lot of this uh, talk about diversity, but then there's no like embodied community of people who actually love each other. And there's no, like, how do, how do my friends who are so passionate about, like, voting a certain way, they don't have any friends that look different than them, who they actually know and love. And I think, like, that's the thing that, um, ha that God has brought about in Sojourn. It's just a lot of different students from all kinds of different backgrounds in all kinds of different ways, both... Uh, in their spiritual life, their families, their cultural backgrounds, all kinds of different ways where they're actually learning to love each other. And I think that's, you know, you're talking about metrics and stuff like that. Like, that's the ultimate metric, right? It's like, are, are these people learning to love each other? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if they are, success, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so that's what I get really excited about with what God is doing through Sojourn. Yeah, I, I mean, I would I would echo that as well uh, in in San Diego because of the diversity and and the city, the county we live in is you know four million people in San Diego County, and and only four percent of those people claim to have faith or or you know or practice going to church, and so uh, and then on top of that, um, there's a religious diversity, but a cultural diversity and and racial diversity all across the board, and so and especially in in downtown. Um, and so for us to be able to gather um, with a group of people, and I think that's why, that's why when we got ready to relaunch, that's, that's, I think that's why God put that uh, new name uh, literally right in front of us um, um, to relaunch with. And we relaunched our church as Commons Church. Uh, and kind of our, our axiom is, is that humanity shares more in commons. Uh, and we always tell our church that. Uh, you, you share more in common than what you uh, than when you think, you know, with your coworker and neighbor, and um, but but when you begin to discover and and go underneath the skin, really, you see that you share so much in common uh, when you add Jesus to the to the mix. And so, um, yeah, I think for us, I would echo the same thing. Uh, I would just add to that um, is it, just the transformation we, that we've been able to see in people's lives. Uh, that this only happened through the Holy Spirit, right? It's it's not. 
you know, it's not the one-hour Sunday service. It's not the, you know, our small groups. Um, it's not, it's, it's the Holy Spirit really working in the lives of people. Um, and, um, and it's a beautiful thing to watch when you see that we, we haven't had to force anyone. We haven't had to coerce anyone. We've, we haven't had to, you know, apply any force, if you will. All we've had to do is just just love people well um, and and make room for God to move. Um, and so when when we get to sit and watch that, um, man, it's it's such a beautiful thing. Yeah, I mean, I'll be brief, right? Um, I I, th- I think just to piggyback off of that, the way we've seen God move in, in Tucson is just students at the beginning of this school year that did not care about God who now know God um, and are showing up and are on my church plant team, even though they still would say they're atheist, right? Um, that I cannot take credit for. Um, Amy should take more credit for, the campus minister I get to partner with, um, and that has been a huge blessing. Um, but but things like that and, and God moving in uh, some of our neighbors who are in their 30s and um, ex-Catholics walked away from the church, but they're coming this Sunday to a church plant team dinner that I'm having because they're open. Um, I can't take credit for that. That's God, that's spirit moving in these these young adults who have walked away from God in the church but are still searching and hungry and the spirit the spirit is active and, and the, the fields are ripe for harvest. Yeah, we've seen um, we've seen God in the moments when we least expect it. Um, and so we've been we've been in the groundwork, uh, the doing a lot of logistical work here at the beginning, like a lot of the the fun stuff, like team formation, team training, support raising, like board formation, all that kind of stuff that you don't you don't step into this to to do, but that is needed to to build a groundwork. And there's moments where it's been a challenge uh, for us at various points in time, but there's each time where it feels like things aren't going in the direction that we would personally like, uh, there's a moment that comes up. Um, and specifically for us recently, it's been largely within, like the exciting part within these journeys is just sharing the vision. Like why why are we doing this? Why do you feel this pull, this call to do this? And we get to share the heart and passion behind going and um, starting new churches for new people in new places to build disciples, to um, reach out and create communities for people who wouldn't have it otherwise uh, in their area. We're finding that we're talking with people that we've known for a long time, but now that they hear this new heart and vision that suddenly the spirit moves in a way that is unexpected, uh, such as uh, talking with our daughter's soccer team, uh, where we, she's playing, we're talking with one of the parents, one of the parents learns that like, oh, like, well, that's really cool. Like my dad uh, is at a church there in the Haltom City area, and they have a small church. And like, getting a call from right just a couple of days before we come up here from that uh, dad saying, "Hey, would love to get together um, with you uh, soon, so that we can talk about like our s- small church is struggling, but we would love to find ways that we can support what you're doing, and whether that's providing a space or providing other resources. Like, how can we use what we have?" to serve what's going on here. And it's like, where did that come from? Like this, like we weren't expecting that, but it's small things like that. And so we have a coffee set up when we get back. It's small ways um, with 
talking with a ministry friend who's been struggling at uh, his church, but then learning that the campus ministry that he's a part of, that he is trying to want to get the students he works with um, to look outside their uh, campus community and their campus is not in Haltom City, it's a little bit further south, but when talking with them, there's now this new vision that's beginning to develop as we have conversations of like, well, what if this expands beyond just a specific community, but goes to like East Fort Worth and we can have conversations and like now the vision is broadening and it's just seeing God in small conversations and moments like that, that continues to affirm and confirm what we're doing is that like, these are, this is the direction. Is it all like ironed out? Do we have everything figured out? No but the direction we're going is continuing to lean into these God-given conversations, these God-given moments, and trusting that the Spirit is going to, because the Spirit's already moving, we're just coming and partnering along with Him and seeing those moments and being reminded of that. Thank you. Uh, wonderful, wonderful discussion. Really have enjoyed this, and thank you all for staying awake and listening. I can tell everybody was interactive. We'll have some questions in a second, but really respect um, these Couples, uh, I, I know um, when Addison and Vicki and Brendan and Caitlin were doing online discovery lab with us, Oregon, we were having record heat. We had 118 degree temperatures, and I knew something was going to happen big. I mean, I knew Satan was hot and the spirit was hot, and I was really excited. And Carlos, uh, got to really know Carlos well uh, back in Black Lives Matter, uh, Kairos, we did a few videos on with leaders in our churches who talked about that, and Carlos was one of the ones we interviewed, really shared a lot of his heart. Daniel uh, was an intern with us for a summer. He had an old beater car, and Lori and I would always say, you need to get that fixed. He goes, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, you know, yeah, yeah, okay. And he drove that thing all the way back to Arkansas and didn't break down. I was like, that's a man of faith. He's going to do something great. I mean, he's going to do That's the Holy great. Spirit showing up. <laughs> so that's calling. There you go. So any questions uh, from from the group for our planters. Anyone want to ask anything? Or... Yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah, I can repeat it. Uh, for the students that I'm interacting with at the university, what kind of questions are they asking? Um, it's primarily, um, it centers around, I would say, why, um, there, there's this mentality of, I can be a, a moral good person without having to go all in f with the church and Jesus and morality and, and all that kind of stuff. What is the point, right? Why do I need all that extra baggage when what I see in the church is not loving and is more hypocritical and judgmental and, and all the ugly side of stuff? Um, that's the main angst that I have had conversations with with students. and. Um, along with like with the atheist student I mentioned, I, I've been getting breakfast with him every week for the last six months. Um, and he's a really bright kid, intelligent, and, and he is trying to wrap his head around a worldview that includes God that still makes sense for him because he doesn't necessarily have a hole in his picture of where God needs to be because he's happy with his life. He's a good kid that he's more moral than I would expect an atheist to be. I'm like, where is the grounding for like not sleeping with your girlfriend if there is no God, right? Like I, he's, but he's such a, he's such a moral kid, um, but he's trying to figure out and piece together 
Why do I need church when the only picture I get of church <clears throat> is not a pretty one? Um, and, and, it, and it doesn't offer me anything that I think I need. And, and in fact, it, it, it seems more like a burden than anything. And, and, and to try and sit across the table and, and wrestle with those questions and unpack, um, yeah, maybe there are some unhealthy things in church that we need to get rid of and let die, right? Um, but then don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I think, you know, you're reaching for the spirit is moving in you, even though you don't notice it. Um, so, so those those are some of the the main questions that I've heard um, centered around um, why 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 do I need this stuff? Because it doesn't seem to add anything to my life. Um, it's just. It's just more guilt and shame and hypocrisy, and, and I can do without it, right? I'll take God without it um, and call him by a different name, right? Um, so, and I would love to hear, like, that's just specific to the University of Arizona. I think it, it's pretty universal in, in Gen Z and millennials, but um, I don't know if, if you guys hear other, other questions along those lines from kids who are, are wrestling with the faith for the first time, but... Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that's too far off. I think just generationally and culturally, where we are right now. I think uh, forget who coined um, moralistic deism, right? Um, and right now, I think the big thing is deconstruct de- deconstruction, right? Of faith, and which really goes back to more. It's it's not really faith. It's the organization of church and. But yeah, I think for us in San Diego, I think I think young adult. I don't I don't deal with a whole lot of like teenagers. I've got like a lot of young adults, and so um, they're kind of past that stage, and they're even uh, they're beyond happy. They're just kind of really content with um, how life is, um, and it's yeah, it's it's. I think the key for us is having conversations um, about relationship and about life. Uh, I think that's 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 what's moved the needle really far for us, is is just kind of opening up every single line uh, possible um, and love people well, from having conversations with atheists to um, I don't know how your city is, but I know our city is is uh, incredible incredibly big uh, to the LGBTQ community, and so it's opening the door to have conversations. We have a lot of people that go to our church that are part of the LGBTQ community. Um, and so like it's it's not it's not closing doors, but it's instead keeping them open and and making room for the Holy Spirit to move in people's lives. Uh, I don't know if I'm making any sense with that, but thank you. Any other questions? Another one? Okay. Well Great, great. So here's, uh, let's give the, our panel a hand. Uh, thank you for, for everything. It was really good. Really appreciate it. So I want to end with a, a few things, 45 things, five fingers. Number one, this here, National Church Planning Sunday. Scan that QR code. If you want to, maybe you want to preach or teach a class on it, we've got resources for you. We really want to engage this, want this to be a yearly event. As Neil said, coffee with Kairos, what time? 10 o'clock tomorrow, 10 o'clock Thursday. You can have conversations with planters who are there. You can ask conversations. I have an app. 
You'll come to me and give me your order. I'll order it. You'll get a free drink at Starbucks, okay, or eat whatever you want. But um, we will we will take care of that for you. So tomorrow, 10 o'clock, and Thursday, 10 o'clock. Number three, San Diego. We just partner. We're partnering with San Diego, Common Call San Diego, to plant five churches and renew five churches in 10 years. So some of you might be thinking, I'd love to plant a church, maybe San Diego. We are putting that out there. We want to train people, work with them to do that. Number four, if you're thinking, man, this looks exciting, but I'd rather learn about this in college first. Well, guess what? Lipscomb University, we're, we're working with them. We have a church plan certificate, five courses, or you can go and get the theology, theological degree. We're doing that because we have a lot of apprentices who need to go back to school. We got uh, five couples in the Northeast. Where's Bruce? He's good. Five couples in the Northeast. Four of them went through Discovery Lab. Five of them are getting together in the next month to pray to plant a church in the Northeast. So we're seeing the spirit move in a lot of ways. But we're working with schooling, training, and all of that together. Then number five, the last one. The reason this exists is because Mike Cope reached out to me and said, somebody told me if you want to know about outreach in the church, you need to talk to church planners. So we're going to give you a Tuesday night. All right? So he's listening to people. So guess what? Write it, send him an email. Go up to him. Hey, we need to have more panels on church planning. Okay? Number one, needs to be earlier. Right? earlier in the day, but we need to have a panel of females, talk about females planning churches. We need to have one with spouses, male or female, who can talk about spouses. We need to have one on campus ministry, planning campus ministries. We need to talk about different styles of ministry. So we need more of these. The person to talk to is Mike Cope. Say, Ron Clark told me to reach out to you. You need more panels, and they need to be earlier in the day. And I think he'll listen. I really do. I, he's, he's a good, good man. It's a good conference but reach out to them so remember those those five things all right let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer thank you for for your participation i feel really good we didn't know who would show up and this has been had a great dinner and a great time together i think about calling you know uh, i was been talking with homeless advocates over the years and we'll, we'll be talking and they'll they'll you know we'll have coffee together and they'll say I can't do anything else. It just bugs me when I try to stop doing it, but I just, I can't do anything else. And I say, hey, we call that calling in the Christian community. And they go, I like that term. It's a good term. You know, that's what it is. You can't do anything else. We have to do it. All right, let's bow in a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you for these families who've committed their lives to planting. I thank you for all the people here who are doing ministry. I thank you for all the people who love you, work hard. I pray that we might know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you, you love us deeply. Father, help us to go out and tell other people that as well. Thank you for this time. Thank you for people who've reached out to us. Most importantly, thank you for this, this gathering that we can come together, enjoy time together, enjoy the sunshine, see your work. Uh, but Father, as we leave, we get back to work. May church planning, National Church Planning Sunday be a yearly event that all people will come together and band together and reach out for the calling of the Holy Spirit. We lift this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Have a good evening. Be careful.